You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. Thanks for coming back. I am sitting here in my home office. It is on a dreary Tuesday, actually, here in normally sunny San Diego. And uh, just recorded this episode with James and loved it. I think it's a really important conversation for each and every one of us to listen to. It's an important topic that affects us now and also the future of our civilization. <laughs> to sound dramatic, but it's true. It's really about us being connected and having the sense of community with each other um, and just how important it is. I didn't even know about the importance of community until a couple of years ago, reading different stats about truly what it does to our health when we're disconnected. And I think that you will be um, really convinced after listening to this episode, how important it is to have um, each other and, um, and that you are a vital necessity of the whole. It's not that you, you know, it's both that way than it is the other way. Yes. You need other people, but other people need you too. And it's this equal dependency that we need on each other in, in a healthy way. We're in a culture of people becoming more and more disconnected and yet having the exact same need. So we need new solutions. And James is someone that is coming up with those. Before we jump into the meat of the show, I uh, just want to highlight a couple of our show sponsors. One is Fabletics. What I love about, about Fabletics is they have really, really cute workout clothes, yoga clothes, Pilates clothes, and they're affordable. So think kind of like Lululemon cute, but without the Lululemon price, that's what Fabletics is. You could go over there at fabletics.com slash Dr. Low and get two leggings for $24. That's their special. Pretty awesome. So head over there, F-A-B-L-E-T-I-C-S.com slash Dr. Low and enter Dr. Low at checkout. Um, so, so cute. I have to say I'm getting back into the workout routine after having a baby. And I actually had a child the other day say, why is your belly so big when you don't have a baby in it? So you better believe that I'm motivated to get in those Fabletics clothes and get back in shape. So we're all in this thing together. No shame in it. It happens to all of us new mamas, um, but I'm really loving them. So check them out. One company that displays the power of community more than any company I've ever seen is Organifi. So if you know Organifi, you know what I'm talking about. Organifi, their slogan is we're in this together and they mean it. Drew Canoli, he started Organifi as a dear friend of mine. And I have seen him work from the ground up on building this incredible company that has reached millions of people and helped them to get their health better. They have an incredible greens drink. Their green juice is the best green juice I've ever had. So if you are not great about getting veggies in your diet, I highly encourage you to do one of these green juices every single day. It's really easy. It's just a powder. You put it in a glass of water, stir it up and drink it down and you're getting tons of nutrients. You're getting vegetables, you're getting superfoods like spirulina and chlorella. You're getting ashwagandha, which is an herb that really helps you with stress. So it's the perfect formula to help you get more veggies and actually deal with the stressors of life. I can't recommend it enough. 
to get yours, you actually can get 20% off as being a listener to this show. Um, just head over to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Dr. Lowe. And at checkout, enter Dr. Lowe 20, D-R-L-O-2-0, and you'll get 20% off your order of your green drink or anything else on their website. So I'm hooking you guys up. Enjoy. All right, without further ado, let's get into the show and talk all about the power of community. All right, y'all, we have a repeat guest on the show. He is back for more. His last book was Evolution of Medicine. We'll put in the show notes so you can check that out. We have James Maskell back on to talk about his brand new book, The Community Cure. A little more about him. He is a straight-up entrepreneur, but he is really an advocate for, for people. He wants everyone to be well. He wants people to be connected. I really see his heart. He's an incredible person. He has spent the last decade just really diving into functional medicine in the community and how to make, make functional medicine successful to actually reaching people um, to you know, change healthcare ultimately. To that end, he created a functional forum. It's the world's largest integrative medicine conference with record-setting participation online and with growing physician communities around the world. He has his best-selling book, Evolution of Medicine, and he has spoken for many things, TED, TED Med, uh, Huffington Post Live, TEDx. He lectures internationally. He's a big deal and he's super cool. Welcome back to the show, James. It's good to have you back. Hey, Lauren. Thanks. Great to be back on the show and uh, thanks for referring to me as a big deal. Plus, I just want to hear you talk. So I, mean, I probably won't ask many questions because your voice is way cooler than mine, but uh, <laughs> I'll try to be as cool as you. Well, look, I'm super excited to be back and uh, congratulations on all the life evolution since we first spoke and I'm excited Thank to you. dive into this today. Well, hey, nothing uh, requires community more than being a new mom. I tell you that. Holy moly. It really does take a village and, you know, having a, an eight-month-old and going through just the craziness of delivery and a new baby and I've never been around babies in my whole life. So I definitely needed my community to rally around me. Um, and Well, can we jump into that topic it. as a starting seeing as we went please, there? Please. Right. So in my new book, The Community Cure, one of the first things I talk about is this, this um, the biggest group delivered program in America is called uh, Centering Pregnancy. And Centering Pregnancy came about for exactly the reasons that you just shared, is that ultimately you know, we've become a completely disconnected society, like community that used to really hold uh, the whole, you know, the, the hold the world together has dissipated because of technology, initially cars and people live in suburbs. And now, you know, Amazon, where you can get everything you need without right. knowing your neighbor and whatever. And how does that affect childcare? Like in our whole evolutionary history, it's never been a thing that you would have a child in isolation. Right. You would always have it in community. And that was a, the community framework for how people took care of each other. And ultimately, this midwife um, called Sharon Rising, she's working in Yale, and she's constantly apologizing to all of her midwife uh, patients because she never has enough time to tell them what she wants. She's working through quick visits. She's, if she does take time to really share what these women need to hear, then her appointments go over, and then she's late. And she's just like, why don't I put all of these new moms in a group 
group together and we'll just talk it out and we can, you know, I can spend a long time with all of them. I can bill them for just a, you know, a short visit, but because there's 16 of them in the room and the results are so spectacular as far as not just feedback from how it went, but preterm death, you know, preterm birth reduction, infant mortality reductions, like, you know, everything is amazing because these women need this community. Just like you said, like you didn't know how to have a baby. You didn't know what it was like. You don't have four generations living under your home. And ultimately, you know, this is a perfect example of the power of community-based medicine. And ultimately, my thesis in the book is that most chronic diseases have a, you know, have a social component, are biopsychosocial in nature. There's biological, psychological, and social aspects to the disease. Mm -hmm. And so we need to have a biopsychosocial cure. And look, we've been treating alcoholism in groups for 80 years. And essentially, my, my thinking is, and my thesis is in the book, is that most chronic diseases are more like alcoholism than, you know, getting hit by a car or getting an infection. And so what people need is empowerment and accountability and not necessarily drugs and doctors. Oh, so good. Goosebump moment. They need empowerment and community. That's so incredible. And actually that word that you just mentioned, maybe we could even flip it and have it start with social because as you talk about in your book, truly the risk for chronic disease related mortality is highest by high social stress not because of physical inactivity or drinking alcohol or smoking. It's actually more so by being socially isolated. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Right? I mean, look, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, that was, that was the moment for me. So it was about four or five years ago, actually, I was sitting in, um, you know, at a conference and I realized like I saw that stat that you pulled out of the book and this doctor was, was talking about it. And I was like, look, here we are in, in functional medicine or naturopathic medicine. And our whole sort of dogma is we treat the cause, right? And that's, that's the, that's the sort of high level overview of this new operating system of medicine that you practice that I'm passionate about and that mm -hmm. is the future of chronic disease care. And yet loneliness was a bigger driver of all cause mortality than food. And just think how many, how much time we spend thinking about food or right. talking about food with related to health. Like the last 20 years has been nonstop, you know, and, and then, and sleep, sleep is a big deal and alcoholism and, and think about all the gains in, in public health from stopping people smoking. Like all of those things are such a big deal. And yet simultaneously, social stress caused by social isolation and loneliness is a bigger driver of all cause mortality. And we're birthing now the loneliest generations in history, like Gen Z and millennials. You know, I saw a stat recently that a quarter of millennials have no friends. Crazy. And so like, you know, we're creating the loneliness uh, generation that are going to use health services at way higher rates than, you know, than us and, and our parents. And it's a super, super unsustainable solution to throw gasoline on a situation that was already super unsustainable. And so ultimately we need uh, a radically different way of, of doing things. And, and that's kind of, uh, the, that's the focus of the book. Yeah, you uh, quoted a, 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 a survey that Cigna did in 2018 that half of Americans reported to feel alone, 50%. It's a lot. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, there's been a lot of people out there who have been talking about loneliness being a problem, mm -hmm. but I've never really seen anyone else talk about any sort of solution. Correct. Um, it's just, you know, and in some of the solutions are crazy. Like some, 
you know, some scientist in the University of Chicago is coming up with a pill for loneliness. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the most <laughs> obvious, the most obvious thing to me, right? Yeah, no, I'm serious. It's in the book. So, oh you know, so, but ultimately the solution to loneliness is reconnection. And, you know, and reconnecting people who want to get healthy to each other and re-establishing community that's been lost, you know, has to be the plan. And, right. you know, and not only when you treat, not only did the results show, and in the book I go through tons of different examples, but, you know, not only does treating loneliness through you know, treating people in groups work unbelievably well for loneliness. It also now creates a structure where people can do the other healthy things that they need to do healthy. Yeah. And that's, you know, like the, the fundamentals of health creation are much better done in groups because you need accountability and support to do it. Right. And so, you know, it's this kind of magic formula where, you know, you get people in groups, they start doing better healthy behaviors. You solve loneliness as a root cause of chronic illness and people get better. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to take it a step further, at least for myself personally, that what, what being in a group provides for me is beyond just the accountability part. It has me see that I'm not the only one dealing with this, that I'm, you know, I think a lot of times what keeps people disconnected from others is the lie that they tell themselves or the lie that they believe that they're the only one that's dealing with this thing, that they're messed up, other people have it together. So the group setting, it, it, it provides this authenticity for me where we take the mask off, we get real, and I walk out of, of situations like, like that so much more charged up. I feel like my cup is full so much more than reading a book or going to see a doctor or something. It just, it, it makes me feel like gotten if that makes sense make me feel seen and heard and understood and i just feel like like i'm in this with people i'm not you know i'm in this together with everyone absolutely you know i couldn't agree more and it's super clear that that's an issue i mean one of the things i talk about in the book is that you know i'll give you an example from the book so kelly brogan is a friend of mine mm -hmm. she's a psychiatrist and her work is Love getting her. people off psych meds yeah. right unbelievably hard to do right psych meds are more are harder to get off than opiates so she's doing this so you know 5 years ago she's seeing patients one on one in her clinic and you know through this journey that she goes through she realizes that really what she has to do in order to get people to off these meds is to send the body a signal of safety and that ultimately the signal of safety is best done and most elegantly done by creating a community. And ultimately she realizes that women who are trying to come off psych meds have never met another woman who's trying to come off psych meds. Wow. Like they're the only one that they know. Right. And so as soon as they get put in a peer group of 20 people who are all trying to come off psych meds, guess what? they're all stories are all exactly the same Incredible. and they're all struggling with the same thing. And then there's one person in the group who's like weaned off already 50 to 80% off her psych meds through all the like protocols that Kelly's been talking about through, you know, Kundalini yoga and dietary changes and sleeping better and whatever. And so now they're all helping themselves, helping each other be accountable to new behaviors that could be as simple as let's all go to bed at nine o'clock every day this week and see how we feel next week. Right. And, you know, that starts a cascade of behavior change that leads to incredible health outcomes. And those health outcomes have never been accessed by our health system because everything is based on, you know, privacy and, and 
you know, individual appointments and sort right. of, you know, that's part of the Hippocratic Oath to a certain degree. But ultimately, we have to like really think about how we're doing things if we want to solve because the people who go through this process, you know, typically have incredible, um, you know, an incredible experience with it. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Well, I haven't shared much on this show, and I want to take a few minutes here to just share about some personal experience that I had recently. So being a new mom, I'm going to rewind back to when I first had Zion, I made a lot less milk than I thought I would. So the first month or two of his life was incredibly stressful as he wasn't putting on weight. I was feeling like a failure as a mom. I was so stressed, and I was so committed to getting him breast milk because I just knew too much, you know. And you just know too much about the benefit of something. It's like you gotta gotta get it for him. So um, I was able to just incredibly so be able to get so much milk for him because of women donating. Um, so so that was incredible. But at the time, it was very very stressful just to go and pick up all the milk and. I was doing the best I could to get support from people, but it was around the time when my mom left town. She was with us for about a month or two. Incredible. She was with us that long and then she had to leave. Our, our food slowly started to you know, run out and Kevin was driving Uber like crazy trying to make some money and I was doing things, you know, trying to get Zion milk and get money from other moms and stuff. But around that time, our, our food started to run out and we, we had a meal delivery service and we, we ran out around that time. It just happened to be that the timing was, but I truly believe all this was meant to happen for my story. So, but anyway, I, I was in my car about to go do a milk run and Zion was in the back seat. I'll share the whole story on another episode, but long story short, I almost got in a car accident while I was driving. I had a, um, a blood sugar crash and I almost crashed. And um, long story short, the next day I ended up actually, obviously I was fine, I made it. It was, it was a supernatural experience and I'll share more. It's not the time now, but I ultimately had to go to a hospital because I had postpartum psychosis that happened the next day. I had to go into an inpatient facility at the time. And then after that, so it was for a week, I needed help, you know, to, to just get back on track again. And I basically went nuts for a week um, around this time. And it was, Zion was about just short of three months at this point. Wow. And I finally got out around that time. I wasn't able to breastfeed anymore because my, my milk had dried up in the hospital. I wasn't able to pump in a, in a private place because it was basically a mental hospital. And when I got out, I went into an inpatient or intensive outpatient for five weeks, which is where you go in three days a week. Um, and it's actually a group setting. Um, and, and you're, you know, there until basically your insurance doesn't approve it anymore, which for me, they only allowed five weeks because I hadn't had a history of any of this before. So, um, but I got out of it so much better because of that, of that group work that I did. And even when I was in the intensive inpatient hospital, what I loved the most about that experience were the group settings. They do group work there. And here I am in my rubber ducky, you know, robe in the hospital that I wear at home. I'm there as a doctor. I've seen thousands of patients in my career and here I am as a patient, like ground level zero, you know, in this environment with people coming off of heroin, with people yelling at different things that they're seeing because they're schizophrenic. I mean, I'm in there. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and to be honest, it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And it was also the best thing because I was able to truly experience the power of community and healing. And I was able to go, holy crap, 
what I've been doing is so off base with the way I structure things with patients. It's helping so, so much. I will give it that, but I'm missing this piece. And I was very inspired by that process. Um, and so I, I and, and, and then when, once I got out, I really clung to the importance of community and group work and as I was telling you prior to us recording this call, my clinic now is going to be moving locations. And now I'm thinking like, how can I do things differently where I do more community work, more group work, um, just because it helped me so much. I, I don't know what I, where I would be without it. Oh, well, look, I really appreciate you sharing that, that story. And, and I've heard it, you know, from so many people that it, it makes yeah. a big impact. And, you know, I think at, at moments of that, like you really do need a, a, a community of people to see that this is not abnormal and that everyone is going through this kind of stuff. And I think, Correct. you know, we've, we've created inadvertently or maybe on purpose a culture where, you know, we feel like we have to struggle alone or that we're the only people going through it. And so that can be really powerful. You know, I'll tell you actually, um, a friend, it's not in the book, but there's another naturopathic doctor that I know in Canada called Michelle Paris. And she started, you know, she's basically taken her whole practice into groups. And she started this thing called Rebel Tribe for women mm. who, you know, are sort of coming into their own. Um, and it's, it is taking off in a ridiculous way in Canada. Like they have it in multiple different cities now. And wow. it's literally getting groups of women together into community and teaching them healthy behaviors over a period of a number of weeks. You know, some people find new friends in week one, but some people it takes time until it's week five or week nine. And these, these stories are consistent amongst all the examples. And, you know, in the book, you'll see examples. I mentioned um, um, censoring pregnancy, but one of the big sort of reveals in the book is this new program at the Cleveland Clinic called Functioning for Life, which mm. is essentially functional medicine delivered in two hour a week uh, groups for 10 weeks, you know, focused on different verticals like heart disease and autoimmune. But the results are incredible people reversing their chronic illness left right and center you know think about the kind of people that are coming to the cleveland clinic center for functional medicine this is like really sick people right. and you know now it has the cleveland clinic stamp of approval and will probably be and it is being taken up by other organizations who have wanted to you know have this kind of healthcare lifestyle first root cause approach but it's just been very hard to scale you know in a in a in a in a sort of a major hospital environment you know it's either mm -hmm. not profitable enough or it's too expensive or you can't take insurance like right. these are really things that have stopped this movement from moving mainstream and what i share in the book is really that this group structure is the structure that will take these ideas mainstream so you know in a kind of weird advice moment on your podcast, <laughs> I would lean into that experience when you're starting yeah. your new practice oh, because the story that you just shared will be incredibly powerful for people in your local community to realize like, hey, I'm not alone. There are other people that have maybe even had crazier stories than I have. And look, they're still out there doing it and being effective in society, being business owners, being mothers, being you know effective at what they do. And I think it'll be super inspiring to a lot of people. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I realized when I was in there that my superpower is vulnerability because I take my mask off and it allows people to do the same thing. And that's why I love this podcast is I can, I can share my personal story with people and I don't have to be censored and, you know, I don't, I don't have to feel, feel bad about it. If people come see me as a patient, they've heard me on the podcast, whatever they, they know my personal story and it's fine. And 
Because I just, I don't like feeling like I have to be two different people. And I feel like sometimes that's how providers can feel. Um, so what advice would you have for doctors, for naturopathic doctors, functional medicine doctors in this kind of topic? Yeah, so, you know, so the, the, I mean, the, the, the advice is the same on both ends, really. I mean, for the practitioner side, I mean, first of all, I would just say read the book. I mean, on, in the book, you're going to get very quickly a super wide look at all the different ways in which groups are being done, right. whether that's like in private practice or in institutions, whether it's, you know, for specific diseases or whether it's for specific populations, whether it's groups that happen in a one-off setting that are just there for certain reasons like efficiency, things like lab review or intaking in a group that can solve some of the sort of key issues why functional medicine is super inefficient and can't scale up, you know, all the way through to some of the groups that we talk about have literally been running for 30 years, the same group every week. And for the first three years, it was a diabetes recovery group. But after three years, everyone had recovered from diabetes. And so what do you do for the next 17 years? You wow. have a salsa club, you have a gardening group, you go on trips together. Like this is undocumented immigrants and, and without insurance in the poorest areas of Boston, you know, building support groups with a little bit of medical at the beginning to get them going. And so on the, on the patient side, you know, the most exciting models that we're seeing, like you don't have to wait for your local doctor to get it and start to build a group. You know, some of the most innovative things that we've seen are just groups of patients who are like, we're going to do this. So we're going to start our own group and, you know, find using online tools like Meetup and Facebook and, and Eventbrite to make offline connections, to connect with new people, and then you know, create structures and, and groups that allow people to be accountable and allow people to share vulnerably and create a safe space to do that. And you know, some of the most exciting models that we talk about in the book and the models that I engage with for myself are free. And are just, you know, groups of men, for an example, getting together once a week um, to be able to process the things that are going on in their life. And I found that, you know, infinitely valuable for, for me and, and myself and my relationship with my wife and also my relationship and how I interact with other men. Mm -hmm, 100%. Yeah. So just, you know, for you doctors listening or even you naturopathic students or maybe you're, you know, an MD student or DO student start to think about how this is something you can implement in your practice. Do you feel like your patients are all very, you know, kind of separated and um, do you do things very one-on-one -on -one or can you start to think about doing this a little bit? What do you think is the easiest way to start to go in this direction? Yeah. The easiest way is just to, you know, pick, a thing that you're seeing a lot in your clinic. So okay. most most practitioners will find, you know, that they either are a specialist or they end up becoming, you know, known for doing certain thing and then so forth like that. And think about, you know, are you saying the same thing over and over again? Like, you know, what are what are things that you wish every one of those patients knew? And just do a one-off, you know, one-off group visit or a series. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy to do. You have so much content in your brain already. You right. know, put you know ultimately like in the book we share some resources there are these things called the group visit toolkits that were created by dr shilpa saxena who was the first person that i ever saw talking about this in 2013 i saw her do a lecture in 2013 on the functional medicine group visits she's created 11 group visit toolkits where you have the powerpoint and you have the video and you have the soap notes and you have the sort of um 
sign-offs that people do to you know mm. say that like those things are already created i mean the easiest thing is just to run one of those because everything's already done for you but i think for most patients there's definitely going to be for, and this is probably the the thing that we we do talk about in the book is that most people don't necessarily want to be in a group right i think from a patient point of view uh unless they've had that kind of experience um, and, but ultimately once people experience a group, they want to continue being in the group. Right. It's like, you true. don't know what you want because exactly. I mean, let's be honest, most people have had, and I'm myself included, like the groups that we were all forced into in younger years, like let's say school or family or our first job, you know, those kind of groups can be kind of traumatic. It's you know, yeah. and so I think a lot of people feel like they don't want to be in a group, but then once you give people an opportunity, so how do we get people over that gap? Well, either it has to be my book or, you know, you listen to a podcast like this and you're like, Hey, well maybe that's for me. Or it's a doctor like yourself saying, Hey, the next step here is to join this group. And it's helped a lot of people just like you. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. And it's next Tuesday at four o'clock. Make sure you're there. I'm going to write you this reminder. And then they come into the group. And it's just like the next step. And ultimately it's, you know, it's a prescription that you're giving them. It's not, it's not a recommendation or you might try this or whatever. And you're not building it around their schedule. You're saying, look, I think this would be really valuable for you. This is the next, this is the next step and scheduling them in. And there's some incredible stories in the book of, of people who are literally screaming at the front desk because they felt like their meds were being kept by them, you know, kept away from them because they must get their Xanax and they deserve their Xanax. And how can you, you know, put this Xanax behind, you know, me having to go to this group and 10 minutes into the group are bawling, crying and having oh. like a really cathartic experience right. because they just heard someone talk about exactly the same thing that they've had that they thought were that. And then next time yeah. is inviting like their friend and their sister to come because they're like, Oh my God, all these women were just like me. Right. Exactly. They understand me. I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm not weird. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so my recommendation for the practitioners is get the book. You know, the simplest thing is just to do a group visit toolkit on cardiometabolic health, you know, yeah, whatever that might exactly. be. That's the like simplest thing. Hormone but, support group and, and yeah. do like a hormone group or something. You know, yeah. and for, for men and, and for, you know, for, for patients, like for myself, like I go to CrossFit because I find that like I get jazzed, like I perform at a higher level and I'm more motivated when I'm in a group of well, other people. Well, that's the whole business model of CrossFit. Yep, I mean, you just exactly. look at it like, what are the companies that crush it? They probably use this type of psychology of like being connected to others. Exactly, yeah. for sure. So CrossFit is big and I'm part of a group called Mankind Project, which is a men's you know group that I meet once a week with a group of emotionally mature men. And that's been you know really great for me, but I know that there are kind of women's groups too. Yeah. I would just say that whatever group that you want to be part of you want to be part of a mutually empowering group yeah. there are lots of mutually disempowering kind of groups too where it's kind of just like everyone telling each other there you, know, you go how, that's a, that's a good know. topic that's that's yeah. important to touch on though because the the group is important i love that you said that you can be in a group that you guys make each other better or you can be in a group that you guys make each other you know i don't say worse but not a lower vibration of who you are so that's that's an important important one to check in on yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I, I'm in, involved in a few groups. I know this, I, I meet monthly with a, a group through uh, Alison Armstrong, actually. It's, a, it's called the, the PAX Queen Salon. So it's yeah. usually like 10 other ladies. And I'm the youngest one. They're, they're older. A lot of them are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And I get to learn the wisdom of, of other women. So 
I love that group. Um, you know, understandmen.com. You can learn more about that stuff if you guys are interested. And, um, you know, and I go to my weekly prayer thing. I try to go every week if I can. And then church, like I'm actually into church now because I'm, I found one that I like that it's like they, they get community. So, I mean, if we look at, you know, even just like the, the topic of blue zones, right? Aren't those yeah. all of those regions? Community is a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the one thing that's really consistent. Oh, there's a few things that are consistent, but yeah, community is a big part of all of those blue zones. I mean, these are places in the world where people live healthy into their ninth and 10th decade and don't have a reliance on the medical system. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, and, and, and the thing, there are many things in common, but community is the most obvious one because, again, like I said earlier, one, you know, if, if loneliness is the biggest driver of all-cause mortality, then they're in community and they're solving that ongoing. But also, two, look at the things that people do in community, like the Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, they fast for a week and they exercise together in Okinawa, Japan, you know, the, the, the culture and the being together reinforces the healthy behaviors. There's a lot of movement in the culture. So ultimately, you know, we need to look to those models to say, if we want to be healthy into our ninth and 10th decade, what do we do? And it's, yeah, it's, it's being part of a community and it's having that community reinforce healthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about insurance for a minute or should we keep that out of the, the conversation? <laughs> I mean, look, I, I mean, in the book, I do reference the fact that I think that, you know, that there is a new model emerging for insurance, yes. which is more of a community based model where, you know, people are incentivized to take care of each other because they're more connected to the group. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from, um, you know, what's happened in this sort of crazy set of circumstances in America where you have more than a million people part of these church-based community cost-sharing models. Uh, We did an experiment two years ago to determine whether or not, you know, that could work in a sort of a non-church environment with a company called New Health. But ultimately, you know, where I'm taking this in the next decade is way beyond any startup. You know, I'm already in conversation with organizations around the world who, who recognize that in an insurance model where you have this company like Aetna or Blue Cross Blue Shield that insures you, you know, your, your attitude towards it is like, these guys suck. They're over, they're overcharging me. I'm just going to put as much as I can on this thing. Mm -hmm. And ultimately what these community cost sharing models do, which is, it's very similar in, in, in concept, the, the energy that people have in the groups is a lot more like, Oh, I'm responsible for a certain portion of the overall costs of the community and I'm going to be a good custodian of these resources by one, keeping myself healthy, two, not gouging the system, and three, making sure that I never pay anything more than like the lowest possible cost for any medical services that I do have. Mm -hmm. And so I expect that cost sharing and that concept of cost sharing, you know, will, will take over from insurance in the next two decades. And I'm intending to sort of lead the charge on that, um, you know, uh, with, uh, with organizations around the, around the world that see that future. Amazing. And I love that you are, are seeking the bigger organizations and partnering with them because that's what it's about. It's about us working together in that way and not creating something brand new that you sort of force into the space, but like how can we really all do this thing together because we all want the same thing. We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. And this is really the solution. If this doesn't happen, it's not going to happen. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the focus. And, and it's been a, it's been a great journey so far the, the people are really resonating with the book. The book is called the community cure and in it you'll, you'll see so many stories or you'll read that many stories of how community is being used. And ultimately at the end of it, it really, it's my sort of thesis 15 years into this journey of being involved in, in, in health uh, transformation, my sort of thesis for, uh, you know, for keeping people healthy at the minimum possible cost. And it, it's basically the, implement, the re-implementation of community all the way through from the payer models all the way down to the care delivery. And uh, I think that anyone who's interested in, in the future of healthcare will like it. Anyone who wants to keep themselves healthy will like it. And then obviously, as you mentioned, for doctors and practitioners that are looking to, you know, grow their practice or find new ways to access new people, I think that's, uh, that's, that's a, a, you know, a, a great starting point for them too. Absolutely. So this is for everyone, basically, because if anyone's listening, they're interested in health or they're a health practitioner and community is the number one factor in your health. So it, it would make sense to learn more about it. So I encourage all of you guys, go get his book, The Community Cure. Support James. He is doing the most amazing work in healthcare. And even if, honestly, even if you don't want to read the book, just buy it. Like spread the word. Like we need to support him because he is doing the work that is truly for us and it's for the future generations too. So you know, don't be, don't be an island, support what he's doing because we're all doing this thing together. So it's beautiful. Um, I really acknowledge you, James, for having, having the courage to do this. This is, this is not an easy job to have and it takes some guts. So thank you for doing all of this for all of us. Yeah, no, thank you, Lauren. And look, I'm super appreciative as, um, on my end to just all the, the practitioners that are doing this on the front end. I mean, there are some that are like, celebrities but most of them are just getting people well doing it day after day right. and the impact you know none of these people get well in isolation either right the impact of someone getting better has an immediate impact on their family then you know that family gets better then those other families see that family i mean ultimately what we when you take a step back this is a solution for an interconnected world and it's already happening. Um, and ultimately my hope is that with this book, it just shines a light on the ways that we can do this a bit more consciously. And, um, you know, already we're seeing, you know, people really resonate with the concept and, uh, and health systems starting to sort of reorganize around these ideas. And, um, that's just such a, a great gift. Absolutely. hundred percent. Well, all y'all listening, if you're feeling lonely right now, who can you call today? Who can you reach out to be the solution? You know, if you're feeling like this, take the first step. My word for this year is outreach. And it's funny because, you know, in previous years, it's always been like, you know, it's, it's about, been about me. I'm going to be this, this year. I'm going to do this, this year. And this is the first time I'm saying, you know, it's going to be others focus. It's outreach. And it's already like the best year ever to start because it feels a lot happier for me. If I, if I start the day and I feel lonely, I just call someone I haven't talked to in a while. I say, hey. And they usually say, oh, it's so good to hear from you. And usually when it, before I reach out, I'm hesitant to reach out. I'm nervous to reach out. I feel like weird because we haven't talked to this person in forever. And it's just the moment I push past that, it's, it's awesome. So, you know, I just invite you guys to have a little bit of that courage to step into being a little bit more vulnerable. And I promise what's on the other side is just happiness and connection. And that's, that's, that's who we were as kiddos. That's who we were like as we came out of the womb, that's who we naturally are. So life just throws at us some curveballs and we make it mean things about ourselves and we decide to dis disconnect ourselves. And that's truly a disservice from the world because we bring something that no one else does. So 
I love you guys. You're all part of this. We're all a part of the whole. We are one cohesive whole and you better start acting like it. And it first starts by getting his book. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, James. It, it's, uh, it's been so good to have you. Thanks, Lauren. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.